if you're a UNC fanatic, uh, which there are some. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah. there are. <laughs> There's a fringe of the Carolina fan base right now that is that's terrified that someone like Alabama or Ohio State is going to come take Drake May from them, which is one of the reasons I think he was asked after the game, you know, you know, have you heard from anyone? And do you, you know, like, what would your decision be? And he said, you know, my intention is not to go anywhere. Right. There's a portion of people that are terrified that Ohio State's going to say, here's $3 million to come play quarterback mm-hmm. next year. This is the Adam Gold Show. It's the Adam Gold Show. I'm Adam Gold. V to the Victoria producing the program. We have reached the part of the week, exactly the midpoint of the week. Second hour, third day. Treats for everybody. You know what that means. My man, Chip Patterson. CBSSports.com. Cover 3 podcast moderator, not wearing a sport coat today, which means it's casual Wednesday. How are you, sir? It's more than $3 million. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm sure it is. That is going to come up. That is going to come up in conversation. It, it, I, I don't know about any offers, right. but I know what other coaching staffs believe could be out there. Oh, sure. And it's more than $3 million. All right, so you're making me lead with this now, which is fine because it was going to come up anyway. Uh, there's, a, there's a website, and you guys might have it at CBS Sports or 24-7. Uh, On3 has a database of um, players, every player in the transfer portal. The quarterback page is a laugher. Uh, and there's a lot of ACC quarterbacks in there. Yeah, the conference of quarterbacks has now become <laughs> the conference of transfer quarterbacks, which might speak to also how strong the quarterbacks were that they are in such high demand to be able to go out there and test their value. Oh, oh I'm sure. Uh, but in the the profile, it has uh, what their estimated value is in the transfer portal NIL collective market. If Devin Leary, I think that's a little reckless for the record. I, um, I'm with you. I'm yeah, with you. Does not have that. <laughs> I think that's a little bit reckless, just based on the inconsistencies across collectives. They also don't explain how they are, they arrive at this. Yeah, uh, but I, and also it's oddly specific. Like Devin Leary is worth one hundred eighty nine thousand dollars. Like, how did you come to that number? <laughs> Devin Leary's worth more than that. I agree that he is worth more than that, but how did you come to 189? It's 186.55, but you know we uh, for inflation uh, cost a little. I have no idea. Um, but there's a lot of ACC quarterbacks in the portal. Um, Devin Leary's in the portal now. DJ Uyunglele is in the uh, is in the portal. Um, what what Keaton Slovis is in the portal? We haven't we haven't heard. Is Alex Van Pelt? Not Alex Van Pelt. Is Tyler, Van Tyler Van Dyke. Alex Van Pelt. What did I do? Tyler, is I Tyler know. Van Dyke in the portal? I mean, there's a lot of quarterbacks in the portal. Well, Jakovic Jakovic. is in the portal. He's out of the portal already. Yeah. Yeah. He's already announced that he's going to pit because, and he announced that after Keaton Slovis announced that he was leaving. <laughs> Keaton Slovis, one of about three players who's been potentially linked to go link up with Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri. Yeah which, of course, there's a connection to Devin Leary from Devin Leary's recruiting process as Eli was the first one to get in on Leary 
um, and establish that relationship before a lot of other power conference uh, players came calling, Leary might be able to go to a program or a team that is arguably in a better position to win more games in 2023. Sure. Than, uh, than Missouri, so he might still be out there as well. And there could be, I mean, I don't know if you saw the comments from Dave Clawson uh, this week, but you know, he's already moved on to the, you know, Sam's going to play the bowl game, and if he yeah. wants to make a decision after that, we support him. If he wants to go and ch- ch- chase his market value in the portal, I mean, Dave wasn't telling Sam Hartman to leave, but he was certainly preparing the messaging for the Wake Forest fan base that if this guy goes to collect a check to use his final year of eligibility elsewhere because of an NIL opportunity, then we should support him. And when that messaging is already coming out, we could add that to uh, the list Mm of transfer quarterbacks. Jeff Sims at Georgia Tech's not like a a big one that's going to pop for a lot of people, but Brendan Armstrong, you know, was once among the most prolific quarterbacks in the entire country. He's in the portal as well. It's, uh, it's pretty busy. It is pretty busy. So, Part of what Dave Clawson had to say, the more I think about it, the more I I worry about, because I think we're just starting with the impact of NIL in college in terms of player movement. So is Dave Clawson telling the world that we ain't playing the NIL game? We're not going to do this? And how much more difficult will it make his job to keep Wake Forest. I mean, look, I don't expect Wake Forest to be at the top of the ACC, but under Dave Clawson, I expect them to be good, and I expect them to be, you know, a, a bowl-challenging team year in and year out. Has to make it a little bit more difficult, no? I think that it is similar to the experience of a, a, um, a group of five job seeing your coach leave to go to a power five job saying that's great but we're just not paying that Mm -hmm. um we saw uh, a sitting head coach at kent state leave his job to go be the offensive coordinator for deon sanders at colorado Uh and in doing so probably double his salary um i think that that is i don't think that is dave clausen saying we are not going to play the nil game but i think that is a a very cold shower for um, you know, anybody who's trying to say, like, how much are you, how much do you want to play the NIL game? Sam Hartman's got one year of eligibility left. Would you rather take your uh, collected funds and, and be able to provide opportunities for all of these other players? Or would you rather, you know, pour it all into one more year mm. of someone who's already been here for several years? That's the thing that I'm going back and forth with people on behind the scenes is I say, like, that's a big check to cut for just one season. Right. And the pushback I'm getting is, yeah, but you would so much rather spend that money on somebody who's been proven to be successful at the college level than spend it on somebody who's coming out of high school. And so how those resources are being dispersed right now is very different from program to program, from collective to collective. And Sam Hartman, I think that the proven, what what we know is going to create a, a demand um, for him and many other quarterbacks where these schools and these uh, collectives would rather get that certainty, especially at the quarterback position, rather than drop the bag on somebody coming out of high school who hasn't even gone through the process of being in college yet. I actually think I would go the other way. Um, right? I mean, I, this, I'm telling you, this is a, like an ongoing yeah. back and forth, and you say we're just getting started. We are. 
but it's also we're figuring out the limits of the marketplace and mm-hmm. we're like we are like constantly testing every single player is a new piece of information mm-hmm. for us to try to understand the way that this marketplace works and every single season is going to be a little bit different it's going to push one way it's going to push the other people are going to mistakes and then there's going to be some home runs and we just it's just kind <laughs> of uh people say wild wild west as though that's necessarily a bad thing no um, the country was built <laughs> I was going to say it's the wild wild west. We're making mistakes, but there's also a lot yeah. of you know steps forward as well. Yeah, it's it's all it's all information. Chip Patterson is with us as he is every Wednesday. There's a bunch of things I want to get to, but I just want to explore this this one uh, element real quick. Uh, in that, I said at the very beginning of this that I believe we've just be, just begun the the impact of nil and the portal is going to be massive. But at the same time, what I think will happen and what I said from the very beginning was that everybody's afraid that this is going to be out of control. It is going to seem out of control at first. But ultimately, we will all figure it out and it will settle. And it will simply become part of the norm, like so many other things in college simply become part of the norm. I I know it's going to sound weird, but... Like the one-year basketball player be- just became normal now. Mm. It's everything. We'll figure it out. We'll figure out how to best do with it. Deal with it. I think ultimately the uh, the nil money that's being. I don't even know how much it is really. I think that will settle and we'll figure out uh, the best way to deal with all these things. I don't believe we need legislation uh, federally. I don't think we need anything like that. I just think everybody's just going to kind of fall into uh, their niche and understand what it takes to to succeed. And I don't think it's going to change the players, really. I really don't think it's going to change the players. I think the teams that were good before, for other reasons, will be good now with this. I don't think it's going to change much. There's an interesting... Um, there Because we're just exploring the thought, right? Yeah. We're just sitting here talking, trying to imagine the way this is going to play out. If conferences get in the NIL business, then oh, you get gosh. to cut in <laughs> then you get to cut in players on media rights money and you take it out of the school's hands. Cause I think the schools want no part of the NIL business. Sure. That's why they're, you know, off offloading all this responsibility to the collectives. Yeah. And as long as the collectives are the ones that are powering the NIL business, it is going to be wildly inconsistent. So if you want consistency, and if you want the ability to sign two-year contracts instead of one-year contracts, right. if you want the ability to uh, take it out of the hands of boosters, then the conferences could – because, again, NIL money still is not connecting the value in college athletics Mm-mm. to the athletes that are providing the effort for that value. You could address that disconnect, and you could also really standardize things. And, honestly, the first conference that does it – is is probably going to boost their recruiting and, and it is mm-hmm. going to help all of their member universities. And so if conferences get in the NIL business, then I think we, we start to see uh, things definitely become standardized, if not calm down just a little bit in the future. We'll see how that vote goes <laughs> when, when we get to that point. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's handle Jeff Brom to Louisville. It's been a good week for Louisville. They fell up in coaching, no? The, the Louisville fan 
needed this. Yeah. Oh, man. Because, and the ACC needed this mm. because if Jeff Brom was not introduced as Louisville's next head football coach, it meant that Louisville couldn't pay. Yeah. And that would be the sign of a poverty conference. And right. you do not want to be missing out on Jeff Brom, born and raised in Louisville. Right. Your Louisville quarterback, assistant coach at Louisville. Like, he already said no once. Right. And he's arguably maximized what you can do at Purdue. Mm-hmm. He's delivered one of the biggest wins in program history with the 2018 win against Ohio State. He's produced NFL talent in Rondell Moore and David Bell. He has taken that team now to compete for a Big Ten championship. Six years is actually kind of a long time um, or is bordering on becoming a long time in terms of the modern you know, college football world. Right. Jeff Brom can look Purdue in the eye and say, you know what, we had a really good run. I appreciate everything that happened here. I'm going to go. If he didn't, I, it's just because Louisville couldn't pay. And I would right. argue, based on the numbers that Chris Lowe has reported, that he is taking a hometown discount. Really? Purdue, yeah, I think that they I think they had it at six years, $35 million. Purdue could pay eight-plus. Oh, yeah. No no question. So, but And Cincinnati is basically funding this, right? Was Cincinnati with the— Because uh, they the had to buy out uh, Scott Satterfield. I, I do not know. I cannot, like, comment specifically on that. But right. the Louisville fan, your basketball team stinks. And, Have they you know, won yet? Like, Scott Satterfield leaves, and so you've addressed that issue. But if Jeff Brom had said no, man, this could have gotten dark. But instead, he arrives at a place where, A, his recruiting obstacles in terms of eligibility and getting people into school have gone from Purdue to Louisville. Right. As in all of the obstacles have been removed from the road. All of the potholes have been patched. It is <laughs> no it speed is bumps. Ice, it is an ice skating rink to be able to get people into Louisville. That's he true. has none of that to worry about. <laughs> and of course he has the deep connections with the local, uh, you know, high school community. Oh, yeah. And he is going to invigorate their uh, local business leaders in terms of being able to provide um, the money that they need. And now that we're getting rid of divisions, Louisville can say, you know, we're not stuck behind Clemson and Florida State. We can be in a position where we can be opposite them in an ACC championship game. Tremendous for Louisville, tremendous for the ACC. And more importantly, he can actually say Louisville, right? He can say Louisville the way they say Louisville because he grew up there. He, he can speak probably doesn't all matter. The languages. <laughs> and I'm sure he has a favorite bourbon and uh, and all of that. All right, so we dealt with the portal. We dealt with Jeff Brom to Louisville. I want to dig in on North Carolina and their loss to Clemson when we come back. Uh, and then I have some bigger picture questions. Like I know we can talk about the college football playoff, but before we break, I mean, they got it right, correct? One, two, three, four, in the correct order? Yeah, TCU being at three shows that we value the entire body of work and we're yeah. not going to have poll mentality that you have to move down if you lose. Their 12-1 right. profile was better than Ohio State's 11-1 profile, and so we're respecting that. And and, I appreciate that. And even better, we, could, we avoid the Ohio State-Michigan rematch, which, of course, they never discussed at all, ever, never came up. 
I believe Boo Corrigan. We're going to talk to Boo Corrigan tomorrow about that. Tons of stuff to get. So much stuff that we're not even talking college football playoff because oh, we got time. We got time. Right. We have we uh, we know the matchups. So let's go back to uh, Charlotte this past weekend. And I also thought North Carolina was uh, going to have the what for for the Clemson Tigers. And then, oh, the game started. I'm like, well, it was a good start, but couldn't sustain it. And I'm not even going to talk about Mac Brown not being, not thinking that Cade Klubnick was going to play. It's just silly. But uh, not to mention, it really doesn't change their offense anyway, so I'm not sure what bigger, what bigger how big a role it really played. But I get back to something you and I talked about before the game. And this was, I think I used the term moment, but earlier in the season when North Carolina played against Notre Dame, when the athletes are the same, North Carolina's in, they have a pretty good chance. But whenever they step up in class, it looks ugly. And I think that's kind of what happened. And it wasn't quite a 39-10 game. Because Carolina did get down there at the interception at the goal line, and uh, they, I think they fumbled in plus territory. Oh, they buffed every scoring opportunity that they had. Right. They had they scored a touchdown on that first drive, and like every other chance right. that North Carolina had to cut in to Clemson's lead to be able to make that a game, they moved the ball great until it came inside the forty, thirty, and definitely inside the twenty yard line. And I think that's kind of indicative of what we saw of North Carolina coming down the stretch. That offense turtled up when it was scoring time, and that yeah. was what led to uh, sending out uh, the field goal kicker that would lead to some of those missed chip shot field goals against NC State. That's what led to uh, even getting to the position where you've got the fourth down drop by Josh Downs against Georgia Tech. Right. The inability of the North Carolina offense to punch it in the end zone cost itself a shot at an ACC championship. So is is it what is it? What is separating them from where they want to be? And Mac Brown, it's not like this is year one or year two. I mean, he's been here long enough to go through a full recruiting cycle. So what what is separating? What is preventing them from getting where they want to be? There's a there's an easy answer. Okay. Which I do think is a lazy answer. And it is something that is deeper. It is establishing a like true, like killer instinct when things aren't going well. North Carolina is the kind of team or the kind of program that is going to figure out a way to come out on top because the examples are more often than not that when things are tough and when things aren't going well, North Carolina is not a team that finds ways to be able to get through it, weather the storm, and come out on top. That might be a part of it, but it's right. so intangible that I don't want to only rely on that. I want to also get into the idea uh, that this is a, a a team that has been able to stockpile talent but has not been able to develop it nope. at a very high level. Somebody, recruit- somebody well, else is going to develop Tony Grimes that you have been able to go on the recruiting trail and you've been able to make great sales pitches that you've been able to reinvigorate the fan base, but that there is a a lot that is left to be desired considering the talent on the field 
and the consistency of performance or, or lack of consistency in performance uh, at almost every single position group. They, the- they do a lot of things well. They are a very, mm-hmm. like, they're one of the better teams in the ACC, clearly, as evidenced by them being in the, uh, in the ACC championship game. But comparing North Carolina to the rest of the ACC, especially in the 2022 season, is the reason why North Carolina isn't where they want to be because you need to be stacking the Tar Heels up against some of the best teams in the country. And every single time that we've tried to do that over the last couple of years, they have fallen short of those expectations. Yeah, and a lot of times it looks ugly, right? It, it doesn't It doesn't look like, oh, man, that, that's a game that could have gone either way. For the most part, it has looked one-sided. And... I don't see. I like. I know uh, Gray had a really good year at linebacker, made a lot of tackles. I'm not. I'm. I, I don't know. He's he's a good player. I don't see anybody on that defense, especially on the line, that I that worries me. If I'm if I'm going up against them, there's nobody I have to go. All right, we got to find him on every play. We have to be accountable for that guy every play. And I think, I think a lot of teams have players like that. I don't see any on North Carolina side. So the, you're just focusing on the defensive side of the just ball. That, they have other line. issues, but right. I think that's like they haven't had a good defensive line since Butch Davis was here. Whew. The problem is, is they've gotten good. I mean, they had bad injury luck. Yes. Okay. But they've they've recruited. Good players at right. the defensive line and linebacker positions. Um, it is a uh, it it is very easy for North Carolina, coached by Mac Brown, to jump from you know the bottom has fallen out to we're in a bowl game. Yeah, but it is it is proven to be very difficult mm-hmm. to close that gap with the very top, and I think because of how easy. You're able to get to pretty good. It's taken for granted how difficult it is to get to great. Well, I agree with that. I think the uh, the initial jump is is a lot easier than people think. But the but next it's not step, like that everywhere. But it right. is like that at North Carolina. I mean, it's a it's a national university, so uh, competence gets you to being good. And I think that's what that's what they are. They were they. Were a, competence and experience got them to being good and i think they're good but they're not i mean the first thing i wrote north carolina football wasn't born on third base but they might have been born on second (laughs) they were rounding second yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) they're rounding seconds trying to trying to stretch it into a triple um anyway so that that was my ultimately my takeaway from these games is you know not ready for prime time not ready to be that and I know that's the thing that Mac Brown wants to. He kept pointing to recruiting for when they got squashed by Notre Dame. And nobody is saying that North Carolina year in and year out recruits at a Notre Dame level. But honestly, I mean, there wasn't last three or four years. There hasn't been that big a gap between what Notre Dame has recruited and what North Carolina has recruited just based on the rankings of whether it's ESPN or uh, 24-7 or any of the places that where 
we do recruiting rankings, there hasn't been that big a gap between UNC and Notre Dame. And in fact, one of those years, UNC's class was rated higher. Well, but Notre Dame has become basically since like, so Brian Kelly nuked his staff, like not only assistant coaches, but also the strength and conditioning program um, after the four and eight season in 2016. And what followed was a college football playoff appearance in 2018, mm-hmm. a college football playoff appearance in 2020, a New Year's Six appearance in 2021. Obviously, this is a, a disappointing first season under Marcus Freeman, but he was promoted internally. The infrastructure that exists, that existed, a lot of that still exists, and the lessons that have been learned have been carried over. And it is contributed to player development, and that is player development from the the coaching and teaching perspective, but it's also player development in terms of, you know, the way these young men handle their business, uh, develop their bodies, mm-hmm. the way that they grow into an old physical and tough team that Notre Dame team has an identity so that even when they have no wide receivers, right. I, I don't, Notre Dame had no wide receivers this year. They had players who were listed on a depth chart <laughs> with a W R beside their name. Right. But if the ball was not going to tight end Michael Mayer, then it was a running play. Right. They had zero wide receivers in the modern football game. <laughs> they were still an eight and four team that were yeah. pretty effective and, you know, finished in the uh, top 25 of the final college football playoff selection committee rankings because they had an identity, because they get old and they stay old, and because the bodies that are on the field are mashing you, and when yeah. things get difficult, it is part of that Notre Dame pro- that modern Notre Dame program's identity to be able to arise uh, to rise to that challenge. And so that's like when when things are easy, North Carolina looks fantastic. When right. things get really really difficult, it is uh, it is it feels like it is more often than not that the challenge is not met. Like th- It goes back to what I said before. When the athletes, in terms of heights, weights, dimensions, are this, are similar, North Carolina looks really good. And when they go up against a Notre Dame or a Clemson, whose defensive line was the difference, I thought, um, then it looks a whole lot different. All right. I really only want to spend two more minutes. I actually, I want to spend a lot more time, but we don't have it. Uh, Chip Patterson is here really quick. Rank these for me in order, best to worst. And worst doesn't have to mean bad. It just means of the three. One, two, three. Cincinnati, Purdue, Louisville as college football coaching jobs. As the job itself? Yeah. Louisville, Purdue, Cincinnati. Okay. You and I agree on that uh, and on that answer. All right. Now, final thing. And, like, again, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this at all. We really don't have much. What are your thoughts on Dion to Colorado? Ooh, love it. I do too. I, I, a hundred percent love it. I have no idea how it's going to (laughs) go, but, um, there, and the thing that I love, the thing that I love about it is that all of the reasons why I thought that Dion going to Colorado would not work out were so quickly addressed very openly as the athletic director and the university president said right off the bat, we are relaxing admission standards for transfers. And I was like, <laughs> well, um, okay. When the athletic director very quickly indicated that he believed they were going to rally, you know, money together for NIL and the like, mm-hmm. and he wasn't concerned about it. And I was like, well, okay. And when we started to hear about the number of blue chip prospects, both in the transfer portal and also uh, in, you know, 
like players that are going to flip here in the early signing period. I just, there were three schools this year who totally remade who they were based on the transfer portal. Uh, LSU, USC, and Ole Miss all took 15, 16, 18 players from the transfer portal. LSU and USC made a conference championship game, and Ole Miss was 8-1 and one and ranked in the top 10 at the start of November. You can very, very quickly remake a team in the modern era, and I think that Deion Sanders will very quickly take Colorado from the basement of the Pac-12 to competitive and interesting and Colorado being competitive and interesting is something mm-hmm. that I think is interesting. Here's my favorite part about Deion Sanders. And everything, by the way, everything's on video. Everything was on video at Jackson State. Everything's going to be on video at Colorado. That's the way he wants it. Um, he is legitimately being honest with his players. One, yeah. I mean, it's it's harsh, but it's honesty. And it's all the stuff that coaches do while pretending not to do it. And there is something about that that appeals to me. Might not appeal to me if I was a player, but maybe those these are the things you need to hear as a player. And if it was somebody else, not primetime, who is probably more in it more for primetime than he is anything else, but that's fine. He is being honest with them. And I don't think there's a substitute for that, so... Uh, I mean, they were one in eleven. Right. If you were sitting in the locker room with your teammates and you just went one in eleven, <laughs> heck, do you think is going to happen when there's a regime change? Uh-huh. Uh huh. And he said that to him. He said yeah. it all. Uh, okay. All right. Now we got to compete against better players for snaps. No question about it. But they know who their quarterback's going to be. Although. Uh, Dion's kid is going to have to earn it. Uh, Chip Patterson, you're the best. I'll talk to you next week, man. Sounds good. Y'all be well. Chip Patterson. It's the only guest we have with a sign-off. Yeah. None of our other guests. I don't have a sign-off. We'll have to make one. You have to make one, especially for yeah. the show, too. The new TV show. Oh, yeah. You <laughs> have to have one for that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, we have to decide. Are we, we going to have a couch or a bed that people lay on? Uh, I probably should stick with a couch because the bed's a different kind of show. I see. Right. That's the soap operas that come on right before. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, very good.